At the end of every year, we have a tradition of going to God individually or as a family and praying this, saying, God, based on everything you've given me and all the ways that you have blessed me, what can I do, what can I give to build your kingdom and not mine? And on December 12th, we're gonna do something that has become a privilege and a joy, not an obligation. And if it, if it is that, then I'm not, even, I'm not even extending this invitation or challenge your way right now. An invitation, a privilege, and a joy for so many of us, we're gonna do a year-end giving as a church, three weeks from today on December 12th. Now, if, uh, if you're not able, um, don't get tight-chested or anxious or mad. I promise you, breathe out. I think this series is going to shock you and surprise you a little bit. If you're new around here, uh, like I'm not even talking to you today, and what this is such a good time for you to be new because cut us open, what are we all about? You get to find out in this series. And if you're in this place, I know Ethan already addressed this, but maybe you've got some religious baggage around the topic of generosity and giving. I've been there. I honestly and actually believe you're going to find some healing from that over the next four weeks. I really do. So let me just set you free today. Whoever I'm talking to, I'm setting you free by telling you we want nothing from you, that God needs nothing from you, we want nothing from you. God needs nothing from you. And I don't have an instruction for you. All I have is I believe what Jesus has, which is an invitation to simply just show up and watch and observe a church and let it build your faith. Show up and watch a room full of real people just like you with real, with real bills to pay and burdens and lack and pressures just like you. Do something that seems kind of illogical, maybe irresponsible, and kind of crazy if God is not real. You are not sitting in an ordinary church right now. You are sitting in Red Rocks, Austin, at a very uncommon time in the history of the universe. But this church was in God's divine imaginations before the even, he even planned or formed the foundations of the world for such a time as this. And we're going to celebrate what he has already done. We're going to look forward and dream and cast vision, and we're going to pray and do and sacrifice and give, and I think we're gonna love it. That's my prayer. Because while we will talk about money, this is not a series about money. This is a series about legacy and worship and building something that will outlive us and sacrificing for our children's children, for that is the heart of a kingdom builder. Amen? Okay, the title of this message is called Kinda Crazy Christians. So no offense, but y'all look like some kind of crazy Christians, okay? I, I just think, um, call me kind of crazy, but I think when you believe in a kingdom, you'll do some kind of crazy stuff to build it. And I just think that when you really believe Jesus is the literal son of God, you'll do some kind of crazy stuff to make sure people know about it. I just think as Christians that our lives should demand an explanation from the outside looking in. You remember that verse, that thing Jesus said where he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I love how Eugene Peterson says in the message, he says this in Matthew 26, 41, there's a part of you that is eager, this is the spirit, and ready for anything in God. 
But there's another part of you that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. It's the part of you that's half-hearted and stubborn, the part of me that doesn't want to be challenged, the part of you that doesn't want to be inconvenienced, the part of you that is offended easily, the part of you that, that says, God, keep me on the bench. I like it here. My butt's warm. I'm cozy. I don't want to go anywhere. This is in all of us. If you don't feel this, you're a robot. But for the rest of us humans, this is real. However, there is also another part of you, according to Jesus, the divine part, the spirit of the living God part, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave that lives in you. This is the part that is ready and willing and eager for anything and everything in God, the kind of crazy part of you that wants to live a life that demands an explanation, the part of you that's free. This is the part of you that says, why would I play it safe with a life that does not even belong to me in the first place? This is the kingdom builder in you. And in this series, and especially today, I want to like get that part going. I want to shake that part of you up and get it moving. Because you ever take a nap, an afternoon nap, that's so good and so deep, you wake up and you legit think, I missed the school bus, but it's Saturday and you're 30. Like, wow, that was deep sleep, you know? And to snap out of it, it's like, I gotta get moving and maybe like go run around the block, take a cold shower, shotgun a Red Bull. Not that I know how to shotgun carbonated drinks or anything like that, but gotta get our faith moving this month. That's what I wanna do. Because while there is a half-hearted part of you, of all of us, there is also a kind of crazy kingdom builder in you that is ready and eager for all things in God. Paul told his, his apprentice, Timothy, he said, hey, Timmy, that part of you that is ready and eager for all things in God, fan it into flame and chug some Holy Spirit Red Bull because the best is yet to come. If you have your Bibles, Matthew, I'm sorry, Luke chapter five, go there. I wanna show you a story that I believe just really illustrates the distinction between half-hearted and kinda crazy. Half-hearted and kinda crazy. Luke chapter five, starting in 17, if you've been around church, you know this story, the four friends who rip a hole in the roof to get their buddy to Jesus. Here we go. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So word was getting out about this Jesus guy, attracting crowds. Now, when God just dares me to dream and pray big and bold, um, I dream about going anywhere in Austin and hearing rumors and clamor and noise and commotion and people saying, people saying, have you heard about what this Jesus guy is up to at our church? In other words, have you, have you heard the, life, the stories of life change? Have you heard the rumors of this uncommon unity 
and this crazy authenticity and sacrifice and generosity and faith. And these people are kind of crazy. I'm talking about the stories of faith on the corner of 183 and 35. That's why I just, I want to continue to fan the, the flame of faith that is within me into a fire and to challenge you to do the same thing. So collectively as Red Rocks Austin, we can, we can become this kingdom wildfire in our city because John Wesley once upon a time said this, light yourself on fire with passion and faith and people will come from miles around to watch you burn because they're drawn to, fa- to passion and drawn to faith, especially in our day and age. People came from every village to experience Jesus. So verse 18, let's keep going. Some men, okay, let's stop. Everybody say, some men. Two of my favorite words in this story, and here's why. If this was me, if I was one of these guys, I would have for sure gone, yo, Luke, hey, Luke. You know Luke's the guy who wrote, well, Luke, that we're reading. Luke, Doug Weckenman. That's W-E-K-E-N-M-A-N. I'm one of the, the some guys. I'm one of the mat carriers. Just want to make sure you get my name in your gospel, right? Make sure I'm in there. However, the Bible just says some men. And I love that because kingdom builders are not in it to build their kingdoms. And we can do anything as a church as long as we're cool with Jesus getting all the credit and all the glory and more of my dreams. What if one day, hundreds of years from now, when historians look back and write about this era of the church, what if there was a section about Austin, Texas? And what if somewhere in that section it said, some kind of crazy Christians prayed and showed up and invited and dreamed and sacrificed and gave and built something so special that God used it to reach a city. Come on, everybody say, some men. men. Now louder and prouder, some women. women. There we go, hey. (laughs) Came carrying a paralyzed man. We gotta go faster than two words at a time. They came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. They're carrying their friend. You know what I call this? Kingdom priorities. You'll only carry what you value, what matters to you. They valued their friend, so they carried their friend. Now, a deep breath. I'm gonna get in somebody's business for the next couple minutes. I know it. Your priorities actually aren't your priorities until you prioritize them. So you might say, I prioritize my family, yet when you're with your kids, all you think about is work. Or you can say, I prioritize quality of life, but you... You don't, you don't work to live, you live to work. Or you can say, I prioritize and value a future marriage or a future family, yet you continue to settle for the next Tinder hookup or the next bad relationship you know is probably just gonna end in the same way. Or you can say, I value and prioritize being faithful with the little bit that I have right now because one day he's gonna trust me to be faithful with a lot more and yet in the, in, in the here and now you just continue to 
to spend the money that you don't even have. All I'm saying is, if it's your priority, you'll actually prioritize it. And if it matters to you, you'll do the work. You'll pick it up. You'll carry it. Put the slide up on the screen. If this doesn't get you, I don't know what does. Start a business. Me too, by the way. $999, too much. Buy a new iPhone. $999, I'll take it. Healthy groceries, 100 bucks. Dinner and, uh, too much. Dinner and dessert, $100. Yes, please. Watch Netflix for two hours. One more episode. Read my Bible for 15 minutes. There's no, there's no time. When it's a priority, you'll find a way. When it's not, you'll make an excuse. So keep breathing, okay? I love you. Sometimes the same truth that offends your flesh is actually the same refreshing truth that is like water, ice cold water to a thirsty and dehydrated soul. So let me challenge you right now with some challenging truth. Your bank statement will tell you everything you need to know about your priorities. For Jesus once said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I'm painting with broad strokes here, but for my generation, all right, from my generation, um, it doesn't really matter to us if we're generous. We just wanna know we go to a church that's generous. Like my church better be serving the city, better be. <laughs> now, <laughs> the Friday night before Saturday serve day, I've got plans, so I probably won't be signing up. You won't see me there, but the American church better step it up and start, <laughs> I'm telling you, and start serving. <laughs> oh, my church, man. Better be served. Guys, there's a, there's a difference between appreciating something and prioritizing something, okay? I appreciate cardio. Doesn't mean I prioritize cardio, okay? Talking to millennials, we appreciate generosity like crazy. We make a lot of noise about it. We post a big game about it, but statistically, we practice it less than any generation before us. And that, I, I hate that because I is a millennial and nobody believes in our generation more than I do. And you know me, I'm not the guy trying to get people to give to the church that I work at. I, I'm trying to rally a generation of Christians to be generous anywhere and everywhere, period, okay? I just value it. It because God does, and I'm bold about it because I think Jesus was. I'm just frustrated. <laughs> I'm mad. Why? Can't find a church that goes deep enough on Sundays. <laughs> I value depth. I mean, I won't do the Devo Monday through Saturday or come to a free exegetical class about the book of Jonah, but <laughs> I value depth. Hey, maybe you do. I hope you do. In your Monday through Saturday, that's where I pursue death. I'm, I'm just saying, um, if it's your priority, you'll prioritize it. If you value it, you'll, you'll carry it. I'm just saying, what if we were known not for what we appreciate? Big deal. But for what we prioritize, the proof is in the pudding, right? The world can look at us and go, you Christians still prioritize the sanctity of marriage, like, you mean to tell me you seriously don't have sex until you're married? You, you, you're insane. <laughs> That's insane, right? And if I'm talking to any individual or couple in here and you're doing your best, I mean, not perfectly, because none of us, right? 
but you are fighting and striving for purity in your life. That ain't for the faint of heart. And even though the purity culture has done a lot of damage for a lot of us in this generation, can I just say that does not mean the word purity needs to be thrown in the trash. That means it needs to be redeemed and re-explained with grace and re-pursued with grace. And so if that's you, let me just encourage you, that ain't for the faint of heart. And right now, you're kind of crazy. Right now. Right now. Until it's 20 years from now, and all your friends want a marriage like yours with the values that you've instilled since way back when before you even said your I do's to each other. Come on, if you prioritize it, if it's your priority, you will prioritize it. If it matters to you, you'll carry it even when it's heavy, even when it's hard, even when it's challenging. These guys, some men prioritized their friends and so they carried him to Jesus, and we pick it up in 19. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. What's the craziest thing you've ever done? And I don't mean like you took 15 shots on your 21st birthday or <laughs> went bungee jumping. Um, I mean, by faith, what's the craziest thing for your faith that you've ever done? Because part of this series is me wanting you to have stories to tell your kids. What's the craziest thing you've ever done by faith? God said this, so I did this, right? I went to rehab. I invited my, my friend on, on a Sunday I moved cities to start this church. I woke up at 4.30 a.m. every Sunday morning to set up for it. I changed jobs. I started that business. I took that risk. I gave that car away. What's the thing that people would look at your life and go, yeah, girl's crazy. She's, she's kind of crazy. What about your life demands an explanation? At some point, you should look at Haley Foster's Bible because that thing demands an explanation in our day and age. In a world where Netflix exists, Haley, to have every page highlighted, do you not know about Ted Lasso and season 61 of Grey's Anatomy? Do you not know about these things? Why would you spend that much time reading a 2,000-year-old book? From the world's perspective, in an internet era, you're kind of crazy. Can I brag about my wife, Sam, for, a sec, for just a second? Because she's, homegirl's also kind of crazy. Let me, give you, let me give you one reason, one reason, okay? Here's just one. She moved across the country to plant this church, nine months pregnant, to Texas in July, okay? <laughs> left a job, left her family, left the city she grew up in, left everything familiar. It's one thing to do that because God told you to. It's another thing to do that because your husband claims God told him to. <laughs> so let me get this straight. We're gonna move and start a church, which by the way, fails four out of five times because an invisible God inaudibly talked to you. That's kind of crazy. What about Noah? We read about Noah and we think, what faith? <laughs> I want you to read about Noah and go, this guy's insane. Guy had never seen rain. 
didn't have a degree in building boats, quit his job one day, woke up the next morning, started chopping down trees and building an ark. And nobody believed him until it started raining. Pastor Mike Todd, the ultimate faith pastor, in my opinion, here, here he goes. What's crazy in one season will be counted as faith in another. He also says it this way. It's only crazy until it, till it happens. How about Peter living a, leaving a steady fishing career to go on a three-year camping trip with a Jewish carpenter who just said, hey, you should follow me. Hmm? Okay. <laughs> About four guys, some men, ripping a hole in a roof to get their friend to Jesus in the middle of a church service, and it wasn't even their house. <laughs> so we read that and think faith. <laughs> in the moment, the crowd is thinking, these people are idiots. <laughs> Vandals, Okay. So forgive me, church, but I just think our lives ought to look kind of crazy sometimes to the rest of the world. I don't think we should live the same and give the same and walk the same and talk the same and react the same as everybody. I want our coworkers to wonder about us. I want the critics of Christianity to not know how to categorize the people in this church for our lives to demand an explanation. Amen. I mean, these guys, that, is that not them? The Bible says they tried to get in, they couldn't find a way, comma, so they went to the roof. They couldn't find a way, comma, so they found a way. They couldn't find a way, so they found a way. They didn't have a ladder. They showed up thinking they were gonna walk in. Nobody had a crowbar or a pulley system to lower their, their buddy. They probably knew what we're gonna have to pay for the repairs of this roof, but they found a way. We all have the half-hearted part, and we also have the kind of crazy kingdom builder part. Now, the half-hearted part of me, I don't know how many times I've showed up in a situation, metaphorically speaking, similar to this, where you look around and go, well, we tried. Too crowded, can't get in. Well. I tried, tried praying. I tried praying for my breakthrough. I'm talking to me. I'm tr I tried praying for healing, didn't work. I tried. Oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't know you tried prayer. Okay. I, try, I tried joining a group, it was weird. <laughs> tried counseling, wasn't feeling it, right? Tried generosity, I tried, I tried going to church, I tried forgiving that person, didn't really work. Oh, I guess I didn't realize you tried. I didn't realize you tried. And I'm pushing you, I'm trying to get my Denzel Washington football coach at halftime on, pushing you a little bit because I know how hard that is, what I'm asking you and what I'm pushing you towards. But I know it's the half-hearted part of you that is keeping you, not anybody else, you from the more that God has for you. And you might say, well, I tried. I already tried the front door. There's still the roof. I'm saying there's still the roof. When we moved here three years ago looking for a location to start this church, I thought, I actually did, I thought it was gonna be easy. God, here we are. We already moved for you to Austin. <sighs> 
What more do you want? Now, part the Red Sea and give us the UT Stadium for $100 a week. That was a real prayer that I prayed. I'm proud of it. And then we got 90 no's in a row before we got one yes. And by the way, that one yes came with about 150 problems to solve, one of which was this building is not conducive for church. <laughs> you're gonna, for kids, you're gonna have to set up a, a, a pipe and drape room 30 feet from where you're preaching. Good luck. And that's why you gotta be kinda crazy. That's why you gotta be kinda crazy. When you can't find a way, find a way. I've tried the front door, I know. I'm saying, what about the roof? I tried mending that relationship didn't work. What about the roof? Oh, the roof is me apologizing first. You tried the front door. What about the roof? See, the half-hearted part sees what is. This is the way it is. This is reality. But the kingdom builder in you sees what could be. Do you only see problems or do you see potential in people that you prioritize worth sacrificing for? Do you just see the obstacles? Because there's a kind of crazy part in you that sees opportunities as well. Everybody sees what is. Everybody can critique what is. It's not like a noble talent to be able to comment about or blog about what is. Do you see what could be? They didn't just see a paralyzed friend and no way in. They saw what could be if Jesus was in the picture. When God walks in, the word impossible walks out. So give me that crowbar and hand me that hammer because I've got the spirit of Thor coming over me. So give me that hammer. I don't care if I look desperate ripping a hole in this room. I am desperate. I am. I know you see the diagnosis. I know you see that dire situation. I know you see that rocky relationship. I know you see that addiction. I know you see your past. But do you see what could be with Jesus in the picture? I know you tried the front door, but there is still the roof. Amen? There's still the roof. Pastor Mike Todd says that's the difference between what he calls lazy faith and crazy faith. That crazy faith gets the attention of God. Now that's cool. Watch how the story finishes. When Jesus saw their faith, when he saw the kind of crazy side, the kingdom builder side, he stopped what he was doing, God did. And he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Skipping ahead a few verses, so I tell you to get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. And everybody was amazed and gave praise to God. God got all the credit and the glory. And they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Everybody was amazed and praised God. The kind of crazy faith of these anonymous four men got God's attention. Heaven got more crowded. 
It made earth look more like heaven in the form of a paralyzed man now being able to walk. It filled everybody spectating that day with more faith and wonder and awe. It fanned the flame of belief for an entire community and Jesus got all the glory. It's moments like that, that all of them also, who by the way, this is the human condition, the part of me that is half-hearted and the part of me that is kingdom builder, kind of crazy, ready and eager. This is a tale ever since Genesis 3. And everybody in that house felt the same thing. By the way, that home, those people's home, wherever that happened, these four anonymous men turned their home into a house of miracles because of what they did. And it stirred everybody's faith. It got the, the kind of crazy part of everybody going and Jesus got all the glory for it because here's, I think COVID kind of domesticated a lot of our faith. When it was meant for the wild, meant for the wild, meant for the road less traveled. I'm trying to get your hopes up again. I'm trying to get you to put your hope into more than what you're currently hoping for and then attach confidence to it. Because that's what the Bible calls faith, right? And I'm telling you, and, and this series is not just, it's not just a giving and generosity series, but that is one of the four pillars of this church. And for my wife and I, we have never seen something build our faith or our marriage more like generosity because something about it, man, it wakes you up. It's that Holy Spirit shotgunning a Red Bull. Generosity is why? Because money's important to us. We, we love it and who could blame us? You need it, you work hard for it. It's important, which is why when you give it beyond your means in a way where you need, to God, you need God to come through, I mean, that'll wake you up. And then you get to watch firsthand as he actually does come through and he responds and God always takes care of his generous kids. And, and so that's why I'm just, I'm so excited for you to taste and see what this feels like if you haven't yet. That's why I say this end of year giving on December 12th is a privilege and a joy. And all of us who have done it before know exactly what I'm talking about because we've seen it and we, we've seen it work. So this is not about you just giving because you feel like you should or putting, writing a check to Red Rocks because it feels like an obligation. If, if that's you, please just, just take, take the year off from that and just watch a church and let your faith be built, please. God does not need your money. We do not need your money. And if you don't trust, if you don't trust this church, you can go to compassion.org. And for, for $38 a month, $38 a month, guys, you can feed and educate a little kid in a third world country. And you will experience that Red Bull Holy Spirit rush of funding the kingdom of God and being part of something that's bigger and beyond me and feeling that financial weight kind of coming off my shoulders a little bit more as I trust God with it. I'm so excited. Like go to, go to Antioch ATX, go to their website or Cap City Church or Austin Christian Fellowship or Celebration Church, the, the central campus. All four of those locations are pastored by four really good friends of mine. They are making the same heaven as us more crowded and crushing it. That is fertile soil and fertile ground that your generosity and treasure and seed would be going into. Give any 
anywhere. That's what I'm saying. This is not about Red Rocks Church. Never has been and never will be. This is about the kingdom of God. God has got this place, you guys. He has done nothing but prove that in supernatural ways over the last three years in the face of resistance and even a pandemic. He has flexed his supernatural muscles. He has got this church. It's about legacy. This is about our children's children. It's about building something that will outlive us. This is about what Jesus said when he said, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. My question is, but what if the resources were not? Do you know how many resources, time, talent, and treasure is in the hands of every Christian on this planet right now? Ask any pastor in this country over the age of 60, and they'll tell you that for decades, seeds have been sown and planted and prayed, and now we are truly living in a harvest season. Correct? Then go talk to any farmer after that, and they will tell you harvest season requires the most sacrifice. I'm not sure if there's any farmers in the room, but I did the research. Turns out, the corn is not gonna pick itself. It's in harvest season, you wake up the earliest. It's in harvest season, you go to bed the latest. This is the season we are, that, that is upon us, and God is on the move. And people, if you, pay, if you see it, and I know you do, people are thirsty for living water that actually works, and Jesus is becoming more and more intriguing to people who never in a million years thought he would. And we are God's conduit, the conduit of his love. We are his plan. A, we are the goers and the sharers. We are the storytellers of the gospel. We are the funders and the resourcers and the roof rippers and the builders. We are the church of Jesus Christ, aka the only organization that exists for its non-members. And the field God has given us is ready. Oh, it's so ready. The workers might be few, but what if the resources weren't? And I just, I love the field that God has given us. I know some Christians have such a bleak look on the future. I'm, I'm, I really believe in the next generation. I really see potential. I really love the field that God has given us. And I'm just, I'm wondering if I can show it to you really quick. Um, the people the generations in this field, in our schools, in our, our places of work, in our correctional facilities, at our grocery stores, at our gyms, the generations. So let me, let's have some nerd out with me. I love this generation stuff. I think a lot of you guys do too. I'll explain it this way. Um, generation X, born between 1965 and 1980. Where are you at? Anybody in here? Okay, okay, I love that. This is Gen X. Before Gen X was the baby boomers. Before them was the silent generation. And I say this a lot, but old is not an age. It's a spirit thing. And you're drawn to this church because you have a youthful spirit. Because I believe that's the kingdom of heaven. So these generations grew up. And I am, I am so generalizing because I'm talking about generations, not individuals. So just go with me, okay? 
grew up in what we will call apple pie America. So the good old days, home phone, um, the pace was slower, morality was higher. Um, you know, we glorify, I'm sure every decade that we're not living in currently gets glorified in some way, you know. Um, there were blockbusters. <laughs> People trusted the government. That was cool. And the church. <laughs> um, and then in 1981, a nuclear bomb called the Millennial Generation was born between 1981 and 1995. I am right smack in the middle of that. Where are my millennials? Okay. We are what's called a bridge generation, the bridge generation, because never before in history have things changed as fast as they changed while we were growing up. The world's information used to double every 15 years. Now the world's information doubles every 18 months. So, bridge generation. So we, we grew up in this apple pie America. Like I have, a, I have memories of, of a home phone, right? Grew up watching TV shows that taught morality like Boy Meets World. Who am I talking to right now? <laughs> Jurassic Park looked real. You know what I mean? <laughs> Faith was normal and church was normal, okay? That's where I'm getting. Those things were normal. So we have one foot here, bridge generation. If I could do the splits, I would. We also have one foot in a new world where faith has declined and it is now officially a post-Christian world. So we know what it was like there. We also know what it's like here. Now, Generation Z was born completely in a post-Christian world. So Gen Z... And once again, I'm speaking in generalities here. Gen Z is not the de-churched generation like the millennials. Generation Z is the unchurched generation. Are you following me? Grew up completely over here. So follow me. So for millennials and older, we, we have a memory of faith being normal, of Jesus and church and, and God kind of being normal. So for a lot of us, we grow up and maybe we have a bad church experience or we just rebel or whatever it is. We run away from our faith, but we have something that Tim Keller would call the Jesus haunt. So we might run away from it, but Jesus, in the best way possible, kind of haunts us because we're anchored to this thing that we remember. And then for a lot of us, we have this moment where we returned to it and we came home. This is the story of so many people at our church. This is the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, who, who grew up in his father's home. And then one day, and this was familiar to him. And then one day he asked for his inheritance money early and he left home and he squandered it on sinful and selfish living until the Bible records a beautiful moment one night when he's having dinner with literal pigs and he comes to himself and he remembers home. So what does he do? He goes back home. So he, he was born home, he left home, but he remembered home and ran back home. And here's where I'm going. Do you realize that Generation Z is the first generation to be born with no memory of home? Born completely in the quote-unquote far away land, 
where the prodigal son ran off to with zero Jesus haunt. And at the end of the day, at the end of the night, no real anchor that they're sensing or remembering to run back to. And I think about that and I go, that right there is why we do what we do. And that is why we give. And that is why we serve and why we pray and why we move and why we sacrifice so that we can build churches in the faraway land creatively by whatever means necessary So hundreds and thousands of prodigals and men and women and boys and girls who feel so far from God, who are desperately looking and searching for something with no Jesus haunt, can stumble into a church that you helped build and rendezvous with the creator of the world. And I go, that is why we do what we do. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. What if the resources were not? Could you imagine what we could continue to do? the things we could continue to build, the movement, the kingdom wildfire, we could continue to start the legacy that your family could live if you decided to live and commit to a life of sacrifice and generosity. I'm telling you, the ceiling is off. People ask all the time, what is God gonna do next? What's God up to? One of my favorite things to say is the equally good and and true question that he's asking. What are my kingdom builders gonna build next? Will they sacrifice for what they want to see or will what they want to see be the sacrifice? Will they give, will they... Will they live it out on the edge? Will they live lives that demand an explanation? Will they get kind of crazy? Will they listen to that kingdom builder that is rising up and very real on the inside of them? Because you guys, how crazy is it that we are his sons and daughters with access to the kingdom of heaven right at our, our fingertips, a partnership with God, ruling and reigning as kings and queens beneath the King. Of kings, And I'm telling you, the bride of Jesus has not seen her best day yet. So, there's two parts of you. This half-hearted part. And this kind of crazy kingdom builder part. That I already made an argument for has been maybe domesticated. I just look at our world and I go, man, let's, let's get moving. Let's wake that up. Find out firsthand that faith and generosity is a, is a, a habit that he'll fund, <laughs> that you'll love, that'll build your faith and ignite you with some passion in that kingdom fire that burns within you and, and draw more people to you and watches your life, the lives of the generous just seem to get larger and larger. Wake it up because there's two parts of you and the part of it that you feed, the part of yourself that you feed is the part of yourself that strengthens. So as we go into the final six weeks of this year, which part of you will you feed? Because I'm not on January 1st, 2022 in my head right now. Because I remember about a year ago when I could not wait for January 1st, 2021. So how are you finishing this year? By feeding the half-hearted part of you or feeding the kind of crazy kingdom builder in you? I just, my wife and I have, we've not seen something build our faith more than generosity 
ever since week one of being married and when she's in between jobs and I'm making 15K and never missing a tithe and never missing a chance to give above and beyond that and just watching as God comes through over and over and, and I'm not crazy. He takes care of his kids. And I was so hesitant to share that with you because, and you guys know me, I self-deprecate myself in every story I tell. I preach from my weaknesses constantly. I'm way more comfortable doing that. I just want you to know your leaders aren't asking you to do anything we're not doing first. It's almost like God was saying, get over yourself and lead by example because you've seen this. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm just an evangelist. And when I believe something will change your life dramatically for the better, not just the world around you, but your life. I can't, I have to do what Jesus did, which was to not shut up about it and talk about this constantly and nonstop to get our hands opened. Because if he can get it through you, he can get it to you. He does not need or want your money. He knows where your treasure is. That's where your heart will be. And he wants your heart. When he gets your heart, ceilings off, bets are off. So I challenge you as you pray over the next three weeks to get a little crazy, maybe feel that, that part of you that is not your flesh rising up and feed that part. Would you guys stand? Jesus, we love you so much and I just thank you for all the amazing things you've already done in this church. I praise you expectantly for all the things I believe you're going to do in this next season. But even as we finish strong 2021, would you, get, would you get rid of just guilt and condemnation and just sort of clear that out from all of our lives? No guilt, no condemnation, no obligation. And yet at the very same time, would you clear out and clean out apathy? And the part of us that doesn't wanna be challenged or inconvenienced and wake something up on the inside of us to step into and say yes to the more that you have for us. And as we proclaim truth about what we believe in a song called, I Believe, would you wake up the kingdom builders in each one of us? In Jesus' name, amen.